Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. And I have with us uh, my new friend, Andrea Bogard. Andrea, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I think you have a, a good, uh, shall we say, radio voice. It's very calm and collected and clear. Um, this should make for an easy conversation uh, for all of us. But we're going to actually dive into a topic that uh, I just mentioned to you before we hit the record button. We haven't really covered as a primary topic on any of our interviews yet. Uh, and that is about outsourcing editing and more specifically how really the benefits, the overall benefits specifically to business uh, that come from outsourcing editing. So we're going to get into that topic here in just a little bit. But I like to start our podcast off with what I'm calling the aha moment. And I like for our guests to share experiences that they've had, an individual experience or maybe a series of experiences that kind of flip that light bulb on and and uh, where you said, you know what, this this lesson learned is something that I can apply to my business. And, and you saw positive results uh, from that. I'd love for you to describe that for our listeners. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, my aha moment, the first one, um, was about 16 years ago and I was actually out West, um, just doing some recreational photo safari type stuff on my own out in Montana. Cool. And, uh, I was taking pictures of some elk and some mountains and some scenery. And, um, up until that point, photography had just been a hobby, um, while I was working on my undergraduate work. And uh, I thought, you know, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And once I had that aha moment, the next aha moment was, all right, how do I make a living doing this? Um, So I reevaluated my major and uh, ended up doing accounting and business um, instead of accounting and going to law school, which was my initial plan. So um, that moment with just myself and my camera and a couple of cow elk in the mountains. Um. <laughs> oh, but man, I love that, that whole scene out there. In fact, I just got back from a trip, both from, I went out and I took my kids to Yellowstone and okay. then after, I don't know, a week or two or so after that, I went out to Yosemite. And, okay. um, so just being out, out West is, is just, it's eye opening on multiple levels, but that scenery <laughs> is just something I can't get enough of. I'm like a kid we're you know, riding around in a car or being able to walk around outside of our campsite. Um, there was just, there was a beautiful river and the mountains are, are like skyscrapers and beyond really above our campsite. It was just absolutely stunning. And, um, at one point I did see, uh, an elk as well. Um, and I was kind of crossing my fingers for, for being able to see some other wildlife out there, but it's, it's just an absolutely stunning experience. And then add a camera to that. And, uh, in fact, <laughs> even just my phone, I, I was, I had my phone out trying to take pictures all the time. And, um, it's just an absolutely beautiful, beautiful experience. So I can totally relate to that. Was it, I'm curious, actually, what kind of camera did you have with you at the, at that time? 
I was actually shooting a Nikon film camera. Um, so I had my Nikon F3, um, which is what I started with. Uh, my dad gave it to me and, you know, all the, the classic optics, you know, stopped down to one four and two eight and they were just, they were beautiful. And some days I really miss the simplicity of that. Yes. Um, but I also love all the advantages that we have now and just the boundless capabilities that we have. Oh, it's so true. I, I mean, I'm actually curious too, because the, and I shot Nikon for my wedding career, I shot for about 10 years. Um, but have you upgraded to the new uh, 850, the D850 that's been, this has gotten all kinds of uh, raves in the media. You know, um, I've tried it. Um, I'm a member of Nikon Professional and I have gotten a loaner um, just to try it and see. Um, but uh, I really, I love my 4S and I love my 750. Yeah. Um, and I have, um, I have a D800 and I've shot extensively with the 810. Um, I just don't see the need to go um, to the 850 with the capabilities that I have with the 4S and then uh, eventually upgrading to the 5. Sure. That makes sense. Well, and, and the, the size of the files now, and I, you may already be facing this with the models that you have, but I was noticing with the 850, what are they, the 45 or 47 meg, meta, or megapixel <laughs> files that they're saying is even, it, it gives competition to the medium format cameras, which is just kind of mind blowing. And I remember <laughs> shooting with like five megapixel camera back in the day, the Nikon D1X and um, I could get beautiful 20 by 30 prints out of that. So thinking about these 45 megapixel files is, is uh, kind of laughable, really. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's really mind boggling, isn't it? it? It is. It is. Because at some point like that, you'd think that the numbers game would be set aside for quality. And I know they're improving on, on quality and so forth, too. But it's I, 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 I don't know. I find it humorous, I think, at the end of the day, just to, to watch the conversation around that. Now, you said that the first aha moment was that experience that you had um, where you made the transition in both your education and then, of course, ultimately your profession. But you alluded to a second aha moment. Uh, did it have to do more once or with something that happened after you started running your business? Yes, actually, it ties in nicely to why I'm here today. And my second aha moment was recognizing that I didn't want to focus only on one genre of photography for the duration of my career. Okay. Um, but rather finding a way that I could expand into something that not only would create a great income and, you know, that I really enjoyed and loved, but also to do something that fed my soul as well on a more, on a much more personal level. And sure. so that has kind of segued into me outsourcing my editing so that I could have the time and ability to pursue, you know, more of that soul food aspect that uh, I just didn't have the time to do before. So that was my my next major aha moment was, wow, I can have the best of all possible worlds here. <laughs> well, and this is an interesting <laughs> slant on the conversation. And, and I mentioned to you before we started that we haven't really discussed this topic in great extent uh, with, with any of our guests yet. So I'm excited to dive into it as a whole. But the, the, the point that you made that it actually freed you up to focus on or to give you more time um, to, to do those things that actually fed your soul. 
Um, mm-hmm. it, that's a really interesting element of the conversation that I want to explore in a little bit more depth here in just a little bit. But before we get to that, let's take a step back. I want to get to know you personally a little bit um, because our podcasts are, are not simply about photography and business. Tell us a little bit about you, your husband, your kids, uh, what you guys like to do with your free time. Uh, certainly. Um, I am 34 years old. I have a business degree. I have two children. I've been married for almost 13 years. Wow, that's awesome. Um, thank you. Uh, my husband and I actually met at a shooting range. Um, I am, in all of my spare time, uh, a sporting clays instructor. No way. Um, yeah. So um, I shot competitively uh, from the time I was about 12 with um, primarily handguns. And then I got into the shotgun sports and uh, became a certified instructor when I was 18. That's really interesting. I've had the opportunity to shoot clays, I don't know, maybe three or four times. And I'm not great at it, but my goodness, it's so enjoyable. Isn't it? It's so cathartic. I love it. So I really enjoy that. And one of my clients uh, invited me to her home club. And the man who is now my husband was out there shooting. And 18 and a half months after we met, uh, we were married. So that's awesome. Now, for for our listeners who don't um, know what shooting clays even means, can you just give a brief description of that? Absolutely. Sporting clays and the associated clay target games, which would be skeet or trap, involves using a shotgun, which shoots small pellets. And that will shoot at a clay target that's about four inches in diameter that's launched through the air. So um, your gun is moving, the target is moving, and you have to achieve perfect harmony to make that thing break. And it is just a wonderful mental challenge. It's been described as golf with a shotgun. Um, so. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I, though I will say that my, my, if I compare my attempts at sporting clays and a golf, um, I've been a l- <laughs> slightly more successful with clays than, than with a golf ball. But it, it really is cathartic. That's a great way to describe it. And, and it kind of forces you to be present and, and truly focused and there is just something really, really unique about it. So if you guys haven't tried this before, even if guns aren't your thing and, and shooting's not your thing, this is, it's almost kind of steps outside the the kind of stereotype about shooting and takes mm-hmm. you to a different place. And it's really, really enjoyable. And again, it's it's challenging um, both, I mean, when you talk about that, the coordination that's involved because both the gun is moving, the clays are moving, you have to track that and and um, and even kind of lead that clay in order to to hit the target accurately. It gets really technical and it's it's quite enjoyable. <laughs> I love it. And I, I love your description. It sounds very, very official. But anyway, please continue. So you met your husband <laughs> at, yes. at the shooting range. Yes, met my husband at the shooting range and we we really hit it off. And uh, I knew that he was a keeper when I outshot him and he was not the least bit upset. (laughs) He was that probably even attracted him to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, considering at that point in time in my life, um, I typically shot in a pink sundress and flip flops. Uh Um, It was occasionally rather insulting to some of the uh, gentlemen that I beat. So. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I I love that though. That's a fun picture too. And, and you said you've got two kids now. How old are they? We have two boys, and one will be eleven next Sunday, and then one will be three uh, November sixteenth. That's great. That's really really great. And that's kind of that's a bit of a spread too. So I bet like the older one gets to kind of step in and and be the uh, almost the babysitter at times. 
He does. He is an amazing big brother. They are eight years almost to the week apart. And uh, I have to admit that there was some concern, you know, when we decided to have another one of, you know, what that relationship was going to look like. But we have been just blown away um, by how much our oldest son, Colton, has stepped in and he he takes care of his baby brother to such an amazing extent. We couldn't be more blessed. Oh, I love it. I love it. There's my, I have um, two kids. My son Austin is 15. My daughter Addison is 12. And mm-hmm. so a, a smaller spread in, in age. But one of the things that was really cool and has been cool really over, over the years to watch is, is their relationship. And more specifically, um, and, and this comes through even now, you know, I mean, they, they get older and they kind of have their own interests and like to have some of their own space at times. But that the way that, that he will still watch out for her. Um, mm-hmm. It's still so endearing, but I, I think back to when she was probably just a few months old, and he was about three at the time. And Addison would wake up from a nap, and you could say, "Austin, run upstairs and, and jump in the crib with Addie, and uh, <laughs> or, or you know, go keep her company, go play with her for a little bit while you know fish, finishing up whatever we're doing." And um, so he would run up there, and I have this video still. It's so fun um, that of of me kind of walking into the room and you see them both in the crib. Austin had decided to dump a, a box of blocks into the crib. Um, <laughs> Addison is in there, I think gives a really big grin and they've been playing blocks in this crib and, and kind of for an endless amount of time. And they were just as content as can be. And of course getting along beautifully, but I, I love to see that camaraderie and the connection between our kids. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it's, that's cool that your kids have that as well, even with that difference in age. Now, what, what is, what is a, like what is the weekend evening that you have free or even a weeknight for that matter? Like what do you guys like to do with your free time uh, when you have it? You know, we as a family really enjoy a lot of the things that the outdoors have to offer. My oldest is just a phenomenal um, hunter and marksman with just about anything. He will bird hunt with his compound bow. He harvested his first deer, first white tail at five years old. Wow, no way. Yeah. So uh, that's something that we as a family absolutely love. Um, in addition to shooting, um, I, I love to hunt as well. And uh, so we will spend time together, you know, shooting our bows in the backyard. We have 10 acres. And so we have some some room to roam. Um, and uh, we'll just spend time outside. Um, we'll go um ranger riding on some, uh, some back trails. Yeah. We'll go shooting, um, just lots of laid back, relaxed, you know, come back muddy. It was a good day type thing. That's really nice. And, and hiking, you mentioned on your website, hiking and skiing as well. Like you got a, a wide range of outdoor activities. And I was reminded of, of the importance of being outdoors. I mean, I'm, I'm a relatively athletic individual. I played soccer up in college, um, and I've stayed act- relatively active on and off since, but um, I still don't get outdoors enough, even for just something as simple as, as a walk. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love that you're making that a priority with them and certainly have for yourself as well. That's that's really, really great. Now, finding the free time to do those things, that can be kind of a challenge for photographers, business owners at times. Are there certain things that you do in your business or in your personal life to enable that, to, to create that free time for yourself? Yes, actually, that's been a major a major goal for the year of 2017. I try to set goals at the, the end of each year to really implement for uh, for the following. And 
one thing that I really wanted to do both at the last half of last year and all of this year is focus on boundaries, which we in the service industry and in the uh, the wedding business, that can be a really tough thing to do when you get text messages and emails at, you know, eight o'clock on a Sunday night. Yeah. Do you respond at that time or not? So what I have really focused on is unplugging when I'm at home. And then also when I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm focused on that. I'm not, if, if I can't help it, I'm not focusing on personal things, you know, personal errands, things like that. Right. And I actually, I worked from home for 16 years and I am at just over a year now in um, an office location. I leased a, a space and that has been the biggest um, help to creating more free time because when I'm working, I'm working and I'm far more efficient. Does that make sense? It totally does. And, and this is really important. I had uh, a photography studio myself and my partner had a photography studio out of our home for a large number of years as well. And when when we created, particularly uh, the, the most recent office, when we created a space there, it was it was important to be able to easily separate that workspace from a personal space, um, mm-hmm. because without that distinction, where you can leave, you know, the, whether it's the laptop or your camera gear or whatever, but you can create that separation from your personal life, it's easy to kind of mix that in. And now, of course, with uh, and, and and I last shot a wedding about five years ago, but e- even now with the continued popularity and not even popularity it's it's been popular for a long time but the normalcy i guess of existing any and everywhere with our phones and we're getting notifications from everything from you know text messages to email to social media and so forth um it is it is even more difficult to kind of disconnect so that yes. that proactivity that you have in creating very specific boundaries for yourself uh, that's that's really really important, and this is something that I still have to, as, as much as I realize the significance of it, and and even speak and teach about it, and have over the years, it's still kind of a challenge for me now, in particular as as a single dad, where I'm home with my kids, and of course I want to connect with them, but then um, at, I'm still wanting a a connection with with adults and right. uh, with my friends, and so making sure that despite that desire that that my interests and other realms don't get in the way of connecting with my kids and making them feel like a priority. Like dad's not constantly Mm -hmm. distracted or dad's not present. He's not here with us. Even if it's something as simple as like we're watching a movie together. Um, This is something I've been reminded of in particular as as of late that he's not, you know, they don't see me on my phone texting while we're, while we're watching. And as as insignificant as that might seem, our kids notice these things and it communicates Mm -hmm. a certain uh, message, which I think at least in some in some part is tied to priority, priority of focusing on time with them. So this is a good reminder and, and uh, not just for, for our listeners, but certainly for me as well. And I, and I love that you've been really proactive in creating those boundaries. And it's good advice for, for our listeners. You know, it, again, it, it could be something as simple as turning off notifications on your cell phone, at least during yes. your, your off hours so that you're not constant. And, and of course, now, now that we have the watches too, and the watches are doing the exact same thing. And it's, <laughs> it's just maddening really. Um, I, I've, as much as I'm a tech geek, I haven't jumped to getting a watch because I don't want yet another thing that is constantly, um, distracting me from being present. Yes. And, and I think it's really important to be proactive in that regard. So this is, this is a really great mi- reminder and, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, you, you mentioned being involved in photography now for about 16 years. Is that right? 
Yes. How did you, and you also described kind of the, the, the aha moment earlier where you realized, you know, photography, this is the thing that I want to do. And you transitioned uh, your, your education and you said your undergrad, did you end up getting a master's as well? I did. Yes. I have a, a business degree. Wow. Okay. So it, it, it struck or caught my attention when you talked about the focus on business and accounting as opposed to, hey, I'm going to go to school for photography. What was the thought process behind that? You know, my personality has always been a lot more sales based. Okay. I was never, um, I was never growing up what you would consider artsy. And I know that that's a very overused term and can be interpreted (laughs) very broadly. Right. I, you know, I was a figure skater and a dancer and a singer and, you know, all that. And I played piano, but I also had a very strong, extroverted, overly communicative personality sometimes. And so I didn't have that, you know, I just want to be alone with my paints or my camera or my sculpting or anything like that. So for me, I wanted to go into a business, a finance, a sales, a law, something like that, where I could communicate and sell and convince. So that was a lot more where I wanted to focus my time. Okay. And knowing that I could learn what I needed to learn on my own and through other avenues. To this day, I have zero formal photography training. I have focused on being self-taught. I was homeschooled. So that was a very natural approach for me. That's really interesting. I, I was homeschooled. I, I went to homeschool and then um, it was technically, I guess, a mission school, but but it was small number of kids, you know, like four or five kids at a time, that kind of thing. But I never okay. made the connection between homeschooling and then really how I approach business too, because I have no, well, technically I don't have any degree, but but I certainly don't have a, a degree in photography. And mm-hmm. I've always been a huge proponent of, if you don't know something, just Google it. I mean, the, the information's right there <laughs> at our fingertips. We can have it. And I've, I've been kind of confused at times um, with within our industry um, when people ask questions when that information's right there. Uh, but right. I, I never put two and two together about this this idea of homeschooling and kind of the, I guess, being able to, to efficiently find information or find out what we need in the moment because of that. That's, a, that's an interesting connection. Well, it, I think that that's one of the things that we're going to run into as our children's generation gets older. Our kids go to Montessori and okay. the approach is extremely self-motivated, very independent, very project-based. So if you don't know the answer, you figure it out. Um, and if you, you have, you know, five things that you have to accomplish today, you can do them in whatever order you want to do them in, but they all have to be done by the end of the day. Mm. And so the, the reward at the end is, okay, I'm going to get my five things done and then I can work on a project that I want to work on. So my almost 11 year old is, just thriving underneath that type of construct oh, I love uh, it. because he, he gets done what he needs to do. And then he gets to go and, you know, work on a biology report about, you know, mating practices for white tails and what types of environmental factors are impacting, uh, you know, breeding cycles and things like that, that wow. it's very, it's something he's really excited about. Right, right. But he has to achieve these other parameters first. Well, it's an interesting environment that encourages, uh, well, like you're talking about, being self-motivated is, is a really important 
skill that I think in many cases is missing in our industry. But uh, and, and I've certainly been guilty of it at, at times. But there's there's that environment that you're describing, the Montessori school, where there's room for choice and that they have some flexibility in which order they can get things done. But then mm-hmm. there's also a significant amount of responsibility that's placed on on the kids' shoulders to get X done by the end of the day. Um, they get to make the choice how they do that, but they just have to get it done. And I like that combination. I think that education is really wonderful. Uh, but I, I, I love the kind of the individuality that is encouraged in that. And I think that you've reflected that really well in your business. And just being, there's what I've said even recently is that I think with all the information online, um, one can get a, a general education in photography, even learn how to take a pretty decent picture and free probably within about three months. Um, because yes. between the <laughs> blogs and, and YouTube, and then of course having immediate feedback of, of a digital camera, um, it's, it's, it's really, really easy. But the caveat um, of course, is being able to do something that's creative and unique, ideally. But then ultimately, if we're going to run a business, the skill set needed to run a business, it's a whole different conversation. So I mm-hmm. love that you prioritized focusing on on those topics. And I'm sure it's translated and, and wonderful dividends to your, your business now. Um, are there particular, like off the top of your head, and I don't know if you read actively, um, but are there particular resources that you would recommend to photographers who want to learn a little bit more about the business side of things? Um, you know, I don't, I don't follow extensively a lot of photography specific blogs and things. I focus more generally, I try to step back and pull resources that I know that I can relate to, like uh, the Harvard Business School, they offer programs for business people where they sharpen the saw, so to speak. Interesting. And gentlemen and and women that I have worked with for years as clients who are very, very successful, they will go back on a yearly or, you know, every couple year basis and they will sharpen that saw and they will get continuing education and they will learn to stay current. And so I prefer resources like that, um, that I can pull information that may not necessarily be photography specific because I have my own style. I have my own brand that I am bringing to the table. I don't want to copy someone else's brand, but I need to learn how to sell it, how to market it. And those are not photography specific. So I look for more general business resources. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's really smart. And there are so many different resources out there, whether it's books or online courses or otherwise. Uh, but you, you set a wonderful example for our listeners, and and uh, it's great inspiration for for um, really the photography industry as, as a whole because there is still a focus, a significant focus on the artist or the artistry of photography, which is wonderful. But that's only going to get us so far, and um, right. so it's, this is good encouragement for all of us to to make the go go the extra mile, make a little bit extra effort, and and focus on that thing that's going to actually make our business sustainable. Enable us to make a living, <laughs> and hopefully a good one at that. Um, it's, it's, that's the goal. <laughs> well, you know, but that's interesting that you make that point, and it is kind of funny. But at the same time, it's sad because I think a lot of photography businesses are being run in a way that I mean, that's the last thing that you think that the, that the photographer had in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And there are not many of the basic principles that enable us to run a sustainable. Um, successful photography business that only not only meets our, our needs, enables us to pay our bills, but even put a bit of money aside and you know, take a vacation, this kind of thing. Um, we just need to make a little bit of a considered or um, 
a proactive effort at putting those principles in place. And that takes a little bit of discipline at some, at times, and it doesn't always feel good. Um, but, <laughs> but we just have to get it done. And then the cool thing is, and you alluded to this earlier, it, it then frees us up to have time to focus on the things that, that really feed us. If that's the artistry, that's great. If it's the, it's more of the business, that's great too. Um, but you just have to make that bit of investment up front and, and it'll pay dividends. So this is a good reminder. And I, I love that we've been able to kind of go in all kinds of different directions. Um, <laughs> you, you said earlier that, that you're an over communicator and I think I've already done this myself in the, in the podcast. I, I tend to kind of go on and on about each topic. We could go so many different directions. It's, it's a lot of fun, <laughs> but I want to kind of get to, um, well, and actually before we do, I'm, I'm curious your, your brand position, especially being a, a kind of a specialist in business. What is that brand position for you guys in your market? We are in the higher end, I would say top 10%. Okay. From an investment standpoint, we are looking for the brides who are coming from somewhere else to Northern Michigan to get married. So we have a, a heavily destination clientele. We have a handful of local brides every year, but it is primarily destination. And those brides are looking for an experience. They're looking to have it be effortless and fun and enjoyable. And they are looking for classic timeless imagery um, so that they're going to look back in 10, 20 years and they're going to say, oh, wow, I love my photos instead of, oh, my, everything's at a 45 degree angle. Or, <laughs> it's selective color. Or, or the bridal party is jumping. That's, oh that's, my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> that's the fun. I mean, because I can relate to the selective color. I, I remember, like, when I started back in two thousand, what was it, two thousand two, two thousand three. Actually, I was in film initially, and then transitioned to digital. So, especially when I moved into digital, where you had the ability to be able to do these, to apply these creative effects. Of course, things like that were popular, and then like a cross process effect and the Lomo effect, and all these different things that that very quickly kind of went out of fashion. Um, but then, yeah, the, the more recent one that that captures my my attention um to, to say the least is the is the everybody jumping in the shot because you got to think like 10 even five years down the road or 10 years down the road what is the impression that's going to be made there when you pull up you open that album and you're jumping and you're like what in the world were we doing <laughs> <laughs> and why on earth were we doing and it? why was it that i know of all things arbitrary things to choose from why was it jumping in the picture um, but I, I like I like that you emphasize that kind of classic imagery that that's going to stand the test of time, and it's the portraits and and it's the moments, and um and and then also I love too the the fact that you are aware of who your target market is this this incoming kind of out of town bride who's who's coming um, as a kind of a destination client as you described. And being aware of our target market, how they behave and what they're looking for makes a big difference in our ability to be able to sell to them. So this is really, really important. Something we talk a good bit about really on the Boca podcast is an awareness of a brand position. And of course, that translates to the um, to our target market. And uh, so that's that's really, really good. Now, I'd like to go ahead and transition, though, to really what is our, our primary topic for today. And this is the idea of, of outsourcing editing. And I think I alluded to this earlier, but we don't talk about this a whole lot on the Boca podcast. Um, but it, this is a really important topic because ultimately it's probably editing, sitting in front of the computer, editing a wedding or editing a portrait session or a combination of the above is probably the biggest uh, time intensive task that we have as photographers, digital photographers now. And um, so I'd love to kind of explore this, what this process was for you being a photographer, doing your own editing, and then moving to outsourcing or delegating that to somebody else. How long did you do your own editing for? 
I did my own editing for, I believe, 15 years. So I just transitioned over to you last year. Okay, that's really interesting. So you had quite a bit of experience doing your own editing, which isn't a bad thing. You know, we used to teach, I used to teach Lightroom Workflow uh, even being the, the owner of an editing company because, well, there, there were multiple reasons for it. But for one, it's good to have at least a, a basic understanding of how the software works. And, and that helps then in being able to kind of communicate effectively to whoever you're delegating that editing work to, um, how exactly you process your images, what, what, what you're looking for, and being very, very specific in that. Because when you begin to delegate or outsource editing, you become a manager. You're playing the role of a manager. And mm-hmm. that really necessitates effective communication if you want it all to go smoothly. So having an awareness of that, which you certainly did, um, doing all the editing yourself for so long is really, really helpful. But how much time did it take you, let's say, to process an individual wedding when you were doing it on your own? Uh, You know, I look at it like each wedding was a 40-hour work week. Um, And that includes initial communication, engagement session, engagement editing, day of, and then editing a wedding. So um, I would say I probably had two days out of that um, invested in editing a wedding. Wow. that's And that's a lot. And I, I, I'd say that that's probably follows kind of the average that I've heard from photographers and conversing with them over the years. Um, I think on, on the conservative end, eight to 12 hours, uh, and if you want to break it down to, to hours, and then and then upwards of 16, 20 hours or even more in some cases, um, I've heard a range from photographers, but that couple of days, especially because you're not always going to sit down and do it straight, right? You, you'll sit down for right. a couple hours and then do something else and do something else and you get distracted and so forth. Um, but two days is a lot of time. Uh, and, and if, uh, and it, of course, I'm sure you're extremely sensitive to this, having the business background, but ultimately time is money. And that's it really is. not discussed enough. It's it's kind of something cliche that's thrown out occasionally, and you know maybe on a quote graphic on on Instagram or something like that. But um, <laughs> it, the reality of that um, isn't really translated to a lot of photography businesses in our industry. And when you're talking about eight, ten, twelve, sixteen, twenty hours processing just one wedding, and you're doing that twenty, thirty times a year, um, not only the amount of time that is lost to doing things that are going to actually grow your business is significant, but then of course the time left to to spend with those important to us in our lives. So uh, this is something really interesting to consider. And, and for those of you listening in who don't outsource or delegate editing, consider the amount of time that's being lost because that's that's something that can't be renewed and certainly is is uh, one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable commodity that, that um, we interact with in, in our day-to-day lives. But how much, when, when you heard of this idea of outsourcing or delegating your editing, what was that, what was your initial impression? What was that experience like? My initial impression, I looked at a, another company and I just wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with the interface that they offered. And so I put it on the back burner and then I saw an ad for your company on Facebook. And so I clicked and went through your website, went through your tutorials. It looked really user-friendly. It looked like there was great open communication, which again, goes back to the communication thing. That's a huge component for me. So I submitted a test and I have been absolutely thrilled. Communication's fantastic. You guys are timely. There, There have not been any hiccups. So what I will do is I will call my own And then I will send you the Lightroom catalog and then I get the color corrected, adjusted, et cetera, images 
And then I go through and I do whatever final retouching I want done. And then I upload the proof catalog for the client. And it's just, it's an amazing process that when I did an analysis of how much money I would spend on childcare for me to edit my own wedding, it was cheaper for me to outsource it to you guys. And I got to spend that time with my children. So it, it, it put me it put me in a position where I thought, you know, I, I can't not do this, that this doesn't make sense to pass on this opportunity. Wow, that's really interesting. And I'm not sure that I've heard a photographer specifically reference the, the cost of childcare in comparison. That's really interesting. And I know that that everybody listening in is going to have different priorities. Their lives look different. Some are married, some are not. Some have kids, some don't. Um, so ultimately, what that free time translates to and then the savings um, in time and what you can do with that time, both personally and professionally, it's going to look differently for different different people. But again, the awareness of um, the cost savings, you know, when you, if you spend a couple hundred dollars outsourcing editing for a wedding, for example, not only, I mean, it certainly just, it's, it's obvious really, it goes without saying that the fact that we gain time with those important to us in our life, it's worth that money, but there still may be a concern about saving that money for some other purpose. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, what it also does is it's free us up to focus on things, as I alluded to earlier, that will actually grow our business. And the example that I always give is um, it will, I mean, we, we had a working relationship with a, a wedding coordinator, uh, one one in particular uh, in our wedding business that just brought us an incredible amount of business. She was extremely gracious and kind and continuing to refer business to us and selling us. Um, but by outsourcing or delegating something as time-consuming as, as editing work, it then frees you up to build relationships like that, that you know you save, you spend a couple hundred dollars, but it ultimately gives you the opportunity to build relationships that lead to thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of business if you're mm-hmm. willing to, to reinvest that time in that very proactive manner. So it's really interesting yes. to hear. And, and for those of you listening, and most of you know, just for a little bit of context, I'm one of the owners at Photographers Edit. I started the company back in 2008. Um, and so when, when she's saying sending the images to us, that's, that's what she's referring to there. And of course, Photographers Edit does uh, produce the Boca podcast. But um, I'm, I'm curious how you, you, you said you found out about Photographers Edit on, on Facebook, but what was the initial apprehension that maybe had kept you from going to the extent of, of delegating your editing work prior to this? Um, it was a control thing for me. I wanted to make sure that I, um, you know, my, my name and my brand are on whatever goes out. And so I wanted to make sure that I was able to retain creative control. And I have found a great balance um, with doing my own final editing, but outsourcing the incredibly time consuming, um, you know, color correction, et cetera. Uh, and I have a wonderful set of very detailed preferences with your company that are followed to the letter. I haven't had a, a single event or job come back to me that I have not been happy with 100%. So um, I, I haven't had to change anything, tweak anything. I've just been able to put my brand on it uh, the way that I want to see it. And then out the door it goes. I love that. And that is something that, and it's honestly, it's encouraging to hear this feedback from you. I mean, you haven't told this to me before. And in fact, when uh, we reached out, you actually suggested talking about this very topic. Um, but it's, it's encouraging to hear that, that the user experience has been 
the one that you've had, um, not only getting images back that look like your style, which of course is our goal. Uh, photographers, that is very much about custom post-production for the wedding and por- portrait photographer. And that's ultimately about matching your editing style, but then the user experience as well. Um, on, on the website, certainly want that to be user friendly, and and you maybe you already saw this. We literally just pushed out an update earlier this week that is making that preferences section where you communicate your processing style to us uh, is, is is kind of built on that, expanded on it, so it gives even more options to choose from, whether it's with white balance or brightness levels, um, giving us more visual references, kind of before after examples of your of your processing style. Uh, another. One or two more sections for adding comments uh, regarding the the editing style. We're continuing to expand on that so that we give our our clients more ability to effectively communicate their processing preferences in detail. And then we're actually translating that to the admin side as well. So our production team is able to manage all of that information effectively in just one place. It makes it easier for them to look at that information that you've communicated to them, and it keeps them accountable. Uh, which is really, really great as well. So we do put a lot of time and effort into that, and I'm glad to hear that that's translated to good experience for you. What would you say would be the biggest challenge, though, in that process of outsourcing? Was it was it that process of giving up control, or is there some other element that was challenging? You know, once I made the decision that I was going to turn that over, I wouldn't say that there were any other challenges. It was It was very effortless. It was very user-friendly. I cannot emphasize that enough. It's it's very simple. It's a very simple process. And it just has revolutionized my life and my business. Well, and, and speaking of, I'd like to get to that too, because this is interesting to me to hear specifically the benefit that you have found as a result of outsourcing your editing. You, you talked earlier about the fact that it's freed you up to, to spend more time doing something that feeds your soul. Can you expound on that? Absolutely. And this is just very serendipitous because the new business that I was able to launch um, was actually featured on a TV show last night. It aired no last way. night. So, yeah. So oh, congratulations that's, uh, to you. That's cool. Thank you. I'm so excited. So we, we touched earlier on some of my hobbies and pursuits. So I have started, I started a business back right around the first of the year, December, January, called Life of Field. And it the tagline is all things sporting. And so it started out photographing gun dogs, you know, bird hunting dogs. So we did some work for a company out in Iowa. And it was kind of going to be just like a one off thing. And with all the free time that I had from not doing weddings, I thought, you know, this is a lot of fun, I would like to do more of this. So I started exploring some different opportunities and started talking to people and evaluating is there a market for this? And as you said, building those relationships, and I had the time to do that. So I got involved with Safari Club International. And I got involved with some of our um, local Ruffed Grouse Society, Whitetails Unlimited, Orvis, Ducks Unlimited, and just getting involved with some of these sporting groups and talking to people and evaluating, you know, what kind of market is out there for this. And what it has evolved into is now we are doing photo and video, primarily photo at this point for hunts. Uh, We'll go on upland hunts, waterfowl hunts. So that would be, you know, pheasants, grouse, ducks, geese, etc. And we will do photographic coverage and like a photo journal type thing 
as well as photographing hunt trials for gun dogs and also doing those really special gun dog portraits. These men and women absolutely love their their hunting companions. And so what we have found is there is a big market for this. And I wouldn't have had the ability this year to grow this business to the point that we were featured on a major television show if I had been doing the editing for the 50 weddings that we had this year. 50 um, weddings. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. So we have multiple teams. And so we have an open air photo booth as well, which I run independently from the photography business. So there are a lot of things that I've been able to focus on and grow and nurture that I didn't have the time to do. And I was at the point where I needed to bring someone on to help, you know, with the office work, etc. But I don't have to do that now because I can outsource the editing. I can take care of the administrative side, the business side, the marketing, um, as well as grow these other businesses. And so that has been so pivotal because I've been able to do the weddings, which I love. I've been able to work with the brides again, which I love. Uh, but I've also been able to be out in the field, you know, several mornings a week photographing pheasant hunts or duck hunts and really feed all sides of my personality and my soul and my creative process. Well, and, and I pulled up as you were talking there, I, I pulled up this this website. And first of all, I have to say it's beautifully designed, very easy to get around. Um, you know, a lot of times and in, in, with the photography websites out there can get a little bit convoluted, a little bit too busy. Um, uh-huh. This is really, really clean, um, beautifully laid out. And I, I'm actually right now I'm on the gallery uh, for the dogs themselves, the portraits of the dogs. And wow, just some really beautiful, beautiful work. I'm I'm such a huge dog lover, and um, in fact, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity to to get one of my own again. But um, if you guys love just just dogs on their own, like you've got to go see this. That the website's lifeafield a f i e l d dot com, and jump into the galleries over there. Just really, really beautiful work, Andrea. And um, thank you. I and, and kudos to you too for taking advantage of an opportunity um, to, to do something that, that you love. And of course, this is, again, going to look different for every photographer out there. The significant concept or idea, the principle behind all this, though, is to get rid of that busy work that's eating so much of your time and then utilize that free time to do something that is going to make your life better. Sitting in front of the mm-hmm. computer for hours and hours on end, as much as we all, I mean, you even alluded to the fact that you like to have control over the process and um, that notion of control and also delegation doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. The cool thing is, is, just as you mentioned, you get a Lightroom catalog back from Photographer's Edit. You have access to every little bit of the work that our team did. In fact, you can even see the history of all the work that our team did to the individual images. But you can use that as a kind of a jumping off point, a starting point, if you will, and add a few extra touches to those images and um, still feel like you have a little bit of control. So this concept of control and, and outsourcing or, or delegating your editing work doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, but ultimately it frees you up to do the things that you love 
most. Uh, and that can be spending time with people that can be spending time doing things that are actually going to move your business forward. Those tasks that are proactive in nature and ultimately things that, as you said, feed your soul. And what a wonderful example for all of us. It's a good reminder for me too, but particularly for our listeners as well. And, um, and you guys, if you haven't, um, first of all, gone to Andrea's website yet. I want to go ahead and just share these these URLs really quick. Northernartphotography.com. Is that right, Andrea? Yep, that's correct. And then la- Life Outside the Booth, just like it sounds.com is her photo booth website. And then Life Afield, um, the project that, that Andrea was just describing now, these are all where you can see her work online and of course get in touch with her if you have any questions. But um, then, of course, if you haven't been to photographersedit.com yet, this is the, the resource that enabled Andrea to be able to to focus on those things that she loved most and uh, make sure you go to photographersedit.com and you can see more information about the service there. But this has been uh, really wonderful, Andrea. The fact simply that you'd make time to share all of this with us amidst your busy schedule, um, but certainly encouraging and inspiring. And uh, I really appreciate you making time for us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come